Greetings from TG Geeks webcast where Ben and Keith, the two gay geeks, talk about all aspects of geekdom and nerdery. Sci-fi, comics, film, horror, genre, you name it, we talk about it. Find our episodes each week on TGGeeks.com. Visit our Facebook page, TG Geeks Webcast. On Google Plus and YouTube, look for us as Two Gay Geeks. You can tweet at TG Geeks and at the Two Gay Geeks. Or call our feedback line at 469-TG-Geeks. That is 469-844-3357. Happy listening. Peace. Cheers. The Red Legion took away our home. Dominus Gaul has stolen our light. But from the ashes, a fire team of guardians rise to... Guardian down. Wait, wait, wait. Who was that? <sighs> Titan, no jump good. This is Happy Hour from the Tower. I'm T. I'm Nick. I'm Brandon. And we're going to talk about all things Destiny. Why we play. Why we love punching aliens in the face. And why T's aim needs a little bit of work. Have you got that? Say you've got it. See something! A podcast for players of all levels. Find Happy Hour from the Tower on iTunes, Stitcher, or at happyhourfromthetower.com. Eyes up, Guardian. Time to give up the ghost. It's Happy Hour from the Tower. First round's on us. Hello, my name is Joe Hogan. Many of you know me as Epic Grays in various video games and social media. Welcome to episode 132 of Geektitude, a geek culture podcast that celebrates the inner geek in all of us. And guess what, everybody? Ray's back. Yay! <laughs> Cue the laugh track. <laughs> How you doing, Ray? I'm doing good. It feels like so long ago. <laughs> it feels like yeah. years ago. <laughs> It's been here. a good month almost that yeah uh, reported. I'm, I'm gonna be a little bit rusty, so everyone bear with me. But um, uh-huh. I was just thinking of when you were doing your your spiel, your opening spiel, and I was like, "Hey, geek to tutors," and I'm like, "Geek to tutors, where is am I getting?" I'm like, "Oh, I listen to a lot of Mark Maron podcast on the road." That's <laughs> <laughs> I won't tell you what he calls his listeners, but I decided to go with geek to tutors. <laughs> I think I can work with that. I can work with that. <laughs> Uh, so oh, what have you man. been up to? Uh, you've been crazy busy. Um, crazy have you got busy. any geekiness? Yes. So it's funny how I think it was so appropriate that we had, I think the last episode that we recorded was all about, or at least maybe one of the last two was all about like creature comforts where you're like, you know, your geek comforts when you get start to get tired mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Um, starting to feel a little run down. And I've been on the road spending a lot of time in airports, a lot of time driving a lot of time in airplanes and um as i started to to feel more and more fatigued of course i started to gravitate to like the geek properties because like when you're sitting on a plane you know if it's if it's a good plane there's a there's a tv right in front of you there's a there's a screen and you can kind of choose your own on on uh, in-flight entertainment 
Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, of course my, you know, my first trip, it was like, oh, this really intense, you know, adult drama, you know, or like this, like <laughs> really, really like tense thriller, you know, like, mm-hmm. and then by the end, it's like, I'm going to watch the first Avengers movie. Like, just because <laughs> it's been a while and like, you know, I just want to be happy right now. So, um, yeah, I've actually been dipping into like early, early Marvel films. Um, the Avengers was probably the one that really stuck with me the most just because it was really cool and really obvious to see like the, the evolution of like Marvel's, you know, film franchises and stuff. So, yeah. and I was really impressed with how well they set things up. Mm-hmm. Like, it makes me wonder, like, I, you know, it'd be almost impossible to have very specific character arcs in mind. So I almost feel like as a filmmaker or as a storyteller, or maybe this is Kevin, you know, Feige doing this, but you kind of have to like get, get a character to a, to a certain platform from which a, a few different arcs could, could start. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. And then depending on the writers and director that you hire, they kind of then do their thing from there, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And that movie, like, wow, prop, props to Joss Whedon because he really set up a lot for Marvel. Like that movie kicks so many things into gear, but in a way that's not like noticeable. It's not like, you know, fucking Batman hacking into a computer with trailers for each of the other <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like that that was really obvious and then it kind of goes nowhere. Avengers has quite a bit of that, but it's just really seamlessly weaved into the overall plot. And so it's amazing. Like I honestly do like seeing the Hulk's like kind of mini arc in the first Avengers film totally connects to what we saw in Thor Ragnarok and, um, and infinity war. That's awesome. Yeah. So that, that was fun. I mean, I, I, you know, I think I watched one of the early Iron Man movies. I went back and watched, um, the first Ant-Man movie. You can tell it's like all the like really just like fun, you know, uh, kind of feel good films are the ones that I went back to see. So that, that's pretty much been the extent of my kind of geeking out on the road. I will say that I have no, I noticed on one flight that the guy next to me was listening to the Wolverine podcast. Oh, is that the, the, the audio story? Yes. The Wolverine audio story. Um, what's it called? It's called, uh, the long night. And I heard good things about it and it, I kicked myself cause we were already in the flight. So I couldn't access it to like download it, but I looked over and he was listening to it and I was really like tempted to like interrupt him and be like, Hey, let's geek out. But I'm like, Oh, he's listening to his Wolverine podcast. Like that's probably the last thing. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, it's just a good reminder. I, I kind of put it in my queue and I downloaded it. So I'll probably get to that eventually. And I'll, I'll, I'll check back in uh, at a future Geekitude episode about what I think of that podcast. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, cool. What about you, man? Um, I have been equally as busy, <laughs> which is why, and I apologize to people right now as to why these episodes have been going out so slowly. But um, I, I have been listening to, I have been rereading, and I do that with the air quotes, um, the Harry Potter series. As I drive into to school every day. Wow. From from book one? Yeah. So I started with the, the first one at the beginning of this past week and just have been listening to the audiobooks, which are just 
like delightful. Like there's just no other way to put them. Like the, the voices are beautiful and like, it's just, it's just, it is complete and utter nostalgia, but uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm in the middle of, well, not even, I may be like seven chapters into book two. Um, but I figured, you know what, I'm just going to go through them in order. And that's going to be my, my car driving experience for the next month or so. Uh, just because I, I needed something that I could concentrate on and enjoy, but if my brain drifted, I wasn't going to be right. um, missing out on anything. So I, it's been hard for me to com- consume new material right now. How many uh, how many books is that in the Harry Potter franchise? Seven. Seven books. So does any part of that feel like, because you're starting from book one and you're doing it all the way through, does any of that feel like, oh, I'm about to climb this mountain, or is it more like a bobsled right on the way down the mountain <laughs> i think it's probably a little bit more the bobsled i i okay. when book seven was coming out i don't know if i've ever told you this story <laughs> when book seven was coming out um it was like days before comic-con and i was in costa rica like I, you do. Like you do, yeah. No, I went with uh, I went on a school trip with uh, with Deanne and Denise and Tony to uh, Turtle Station and all that. It was like this whole school event, and um, and so we um, I brought <laughs> back before because this is kind of before Kindles were really that easy to drag around all over the place. Um, I brought books five and six with me to Costa Rica because I was like, I need to reread a couple to catch back up. When you're in Costa Rica. (laughs) Because, because what happened was, is when you're at the turtle station, before you go on like the turtle walks to make sure that they're, um, you know, they lay their eggs and then you collect them. But we were late in the season. So they, we were, we still went on the turtle walk, but we, we instead got to release the turtles, which was very cool. Um, to let send little baby turtles out into the water. But um but yeah, but the rest of the day it's like literally you were sitting in a hammock on the beach just oh. chilling. So it was like there was a lot of downtime. A lot. Oh, okay. Um so I read 5 and 6 in Costa Rica and then in the airport on the way home in Costa Rica I picked up book 7 cuz it came out that day. Oh my god, and you found it right away. Well, oh yeah, there was a big display in the um, okay. in the airport. So grabbed the book. I think I stayed up forty eight hours and read it all the way through because I Whoa. knew when I yeah because I knew when I got to um, Comic Con that week. I got home on a Monday and I went to Comic Con on the Wednesday. So I think I read it through Tuesday morning and then slept Tuesday and then went to Comic Con mon- Wednesday because I knew if I went to Comic Con. Without having read it, it was going to get spoiled for me. That's exactly what I was thinking right now. Imagine the horror and anxiety of heading to Comic-Con knowing that you haven't read the new book, the new Harry Potter book. Which, I mean, you know, if, if I almost feel like that's probably was most people because, you know, who's going to stay up for 48 hours to finish your book? <laughs> yeah, we, we went to, I went to a, like a fan panel for, for Harry Potter that 
that year and yeah. they, the, the, the panelists were like all right if you have not read the seventh book that is what we are going to be talking about so you want oh. to leave now and people were like scat like they scattered oh my god <laughs> they and it's like the seventh out. and final book that was the seventh and the final book oh so. my Everything went down. <laughs> Everything went down. And so then as soon as the door closed, it was like, you know, the the whole Weasley stuff was the big like that was the big thing, the big emotional impact. And everybody was just like as soon as the doors closed after the people that we gave their them the chance to escape, like we turned and the, the panelist just was like, Oh my god, the Weasleys, and just everybody lost their shit. <laughs> I'm, it'd be funny if you were like, as soon as everybody left and we were there together. Everyone took a nap. <laughs> because we're all sleepy from reading the book. That's so cool, though. That's a great story. You, know, you never told that to me before. Yeah. So, I mean, like, like that was – so I have read the maybe the fourth, fifth, and sixth books twice. Okay. Um, But this is the first time that I've actually, like, taken in the entire series from beginning to end back to back. And so um, I'm looking forward to it just because, I mean, she like you were talking about with the Avengers, um, J.K. Rowling kind of mapped the whole thing. And and there's references in the first book that you don't expect to come back in the fifth book, but they do. And so it's just kind of nice to catch all of that stuff because you're reading it one right after the other. I'm going to have to get to those someday. I've I've never seen a movie or read a book of, of Harry Potter. Oh, uh, Ray, I, I have no words. <laughs> that is the same reaction I get every time I say that. I got I got an angry stare one time from my buddy Dave. He just kind of looked at me and was like, no, like, like no humor whatsoever. He said, oh, you have to. <laughs> just like, like you must. <laughs> and I think it's not because I mean, there's a lot of properties. Like I feel like Doctor Who does the people who like Doctor Who do that to me because I don't. I I just have not been able to get into Doctor Who, and people do that whole shocked and appalled thing. I think yeah. my reaction is more like excitement because I want you I want you to read it so that I can talk to you about your reaction because I don't know too many people <laughs> that have not experienced anything Harry Potter. That's so funny. Yeah, I could. I totally feel you on that. That's a thing where, like, I told somebody a few years ago that I had never watched Breaking Bad, and his reaction to me was, "I so want to be you. Like, I want to experience all that for the first time again." Yeah, like <laughs> honestly, I know you're. I know you're traveling and you're flying all over the place. I grab the audiobooks. Shouldn't I watch the movies first, man? Or is that is that a is that a podcast uh, subject? Is that, is that yeah, a podcast subject, but since we're talking about it now and, and maybe, maybe the fans can, can weigh in, but my yeah. honest, my honest belief is that the books are so good. You can go back and watch the movies and enjoy them. But if you never saw the movie ever, it, you, you never saw the movie. It's like, to me, that's the books are where Harry Potter gets its spirit from. So, yeah, I I would the way I did it was I watched the first movie and was like, hmm, this is really good. I want to know what happens next. So then I read book two, gotcha. and then I would gotcha. read book three, and then I think I went back to book one. So I, full disclosure, I did watch the the first movie up until the big 
chessboard sequence. Okay. And that was when I got up and walked into my room and I was like, I'm, I'm done. I'm done with this thing. <laughs> like, no, why, gotta, why were you done with this thing? I just wasn't, I, I didn't care by that point and stuff was happening and the music was telling me that I should care about this really whimsical scene, dark, whimsical scene. And I just didn't it, it, and granted, this was, I mean, when did the first movie come out? Like, we're talking years ago, you know, like years ago. I think 97? Um, no, that's when the book came out. Um, yeah, so I know. Because I was in art school, I remember. I was I was living with my girlfriend at the time, and we were like, oh, let's get, let's check this out. And I think she watched the rest of the movie, but she wasn't really like a, you know, geek, mm-hmm. proper geek. So um, she was just like, yeah, whatever, that was cool. And I, I, was in, I was in my studio. I was just like, cool. Like, I guess at the time, too, for me, it, it probably felt too familiar. Like, oh, wizard stuff. Like, this is not, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and so, and Chris, Christopher Columbus, like, he's not my cup of tea generally. Like, his storytelling is just too kind of PG-13-ish, kind of like, you know? Yeah, well, a lot um, of, I mean, it is very, it is very wholesome. I mean, it, yeah, know. yeah. Especially that first movie I've heard is, is like, very... But um, but it's what interests me now about it is knowing that there's a whole evolution that, you know, you kind of grow with the characters and the stories get, you know, suitably darker as the characters get older and the story, the themes get more like adult. And so that it, it that does kind of call my call to my curiosity about about the series. Yeah. And the, the audio book um, is narrated by Jim Dale and he is amazing. And so I would, I would highly recommend and encourage you the next time you were traveling cool. to, to use cool. that audiobook as your thing. Cause it is okay. such a good series, such a good series. I, I, I took the opportunity of this whole travel season to actually dive into another audio series that people forever, like I'm super late to, so don't spoil it for me if, if possible. I'm kind of amazed that I haven't been spoiled this far. But um, remember that first serial podcast that like yeah. people were losing their shit over when it was first coming out? Uh-huh. Um, I dove into that finally. So I'm like halfway through the first season of Serial. It's good. Um, I just It just makes me laugh. I just remember when it was first coming out and, and people just going nuts yeah. and just like telling me, what are you doing with your life if you're not listening to Serial right now? I, I've so, never uh, listened to it. So – Okay, but you but you're aware of it though. You've heard of it. You remember the whole yeah yeah you know, the whole thing about it yeah. So I I'm, I dove into that this travel uh, this the last few trips, but I still got a few more trips to go. So I may I may just yet get to uh, to Harry Potter. Awesome! Yay! <laughs> cool. Yeah, I want, I want updates. I want after you finish the first book, All right. you tell me how how you liked it. All right, we'll do that for sure. All right. Other than that, I'm just. Uh, we're, we're watching like, – we've actually gotten to a point where we're trying to figure out what to watch. Like nothing sounds uh, – nothing uh, sounds good. And it's not that yeah. we don't want to watch it, but I think Matt is so far on his side of what he wants to watch, and I'm so far on my side of what I want to watch, and we know we can't watch them because the other person doesn't want to watch it. So yeah. we have been watching um, the first – have you heard of that? Mm-mm. It's um oh what's the guy's name? It's about uh, a mission to you know people are going to be going to Mars and so they're going to be the first people to go to Mars and um Sean Penn 
is oh Sean Penn is like the driving force behind the series and the star. Ray, I have no patience for this series. It's like I care oh. about like two of the characters, and it is the slowest fucking show. And Matt's like, do we give it one more? And I'm like, I will give it one more because this is something that I know you really want to like. And so if you need one more to make sure that you like it, I'll give it to you. And, and there's just enough by the end of the ser- the episode that it's like, I can do one more, but I don't really have to. Like I'm perfectly fine walking away from the series. That is the thing that I cannot abide is the slow moving, like long format series. And I fully believe that it is a, a, it is because of my childhood growing up reading comic books Mm -hmm. because comic books have to move. There has to be plot in every issue and you, you better make it interesting, but stuff better be happening. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, I feel like that is a huge problem that a lot of the TV series fall into because once, you know, the X-Files and kind of like lost came around and like achieved that whole, like, you know, Oh, we're having monster of the week, but there's also like a season long, like arc that we're going to tell once, once that they kind of showed people that that kind of storytelling can go from comic book format to a television format. Um, I think what a lot of people did and it still happens is they'll take their story and they go, Oh, let's just stretch this over a season. Right. And it's like, no, no, you have to have the story that, that justifies that. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, don't feel like you have to stretch a eight, you know, eight episode story into 16 episodes or 13 episodes or whatever. But I feel like a lot of television shows are doing that. And it's just, I can't, man. Like I, you, you gotta like make stuff happen. I'm sorry, but if it's slow like that, like I, I'll dip out. I just don't have the patience for it. And one of the things that just like tips me over the edge of not wanting to watch this show is that it has, I'm pretty sure the same composer as heroes. Did you ever watch heroes? I watched a, an episode here or there, but that was another thing that I was a fan of it existing more than I was a fan of actually watching it. Cause I was like, Oh, this is like comics. Like it just, you know what, dude, the last 20 years of television media and film media have just felt like everybody catching up to comic geeks. I'm sorry. I know I sound <laughs> like a total fucking pissed off elitist comic book geek in, you know, it's going to be 40, but that's what I am. So whatever. Um, I just really think that like same thing with heroes. It was like, Oh, why is everyone making a big deal out of this? Like these fucking story tropes have been around forever. You know? Yeah. I mean, I can't, I could be completely wrong that the, the composer is the same, but it's got, I don't know if you can picture the, the music from heroes, but it's got that dissonant industrial, which I thought kind of worked for heroes and was utilized well for heroes. But in this, it's just superfluous and grating. And, and it's like, I I don't, I don't like, it causes anxiety for me. And it's not like, (laughs) Like in Heroes, like it would get twangy and industrial when something bad was going to happen and you wanted to generate that anxiety. Here, it's just trying to be like space. And I'm like, this, why are you, why are you making these sounds? Like, this is not melodic at all. And you've just had, you've like basically lulled me to sleep with your plot because everything is, de- everything is delivered like Sean Penn. Everything. 
everything yeah. is is at this intensity for the entire series. And there are pauses that go on for way too long. And it drives and then and then in come the dissonance. And I just can't. I can't do it. Yeah. Yeah. That it's like you're adding nothing to the story whatsoever. No. And I and so if again Calling out to our listeners, if you think I am wrong, please tell me why this series exists and tell me if this if there is something I am missing because it it makes me angry. It's one of those things where Matt's like, so the first, I'm like, fine, and I sit down and I just kind of glare at the screen. <laughs> What's funny is that if it's a slow movie, I will give that so much more uh, uh, goodwill and patience because I know that. No matter what, even if it's a super long movie, three hours is it. Like yeah. I'm going to sit down and whatever they're slowly getting towards, we will be there in three hours, you know? Yeah. But a slow television series is a whole nother story. Yeah. It, 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 there's nothing other than my husband. There's nothing getting me to the next episode. Yeah. All right. Well, enough. Of, <laughs> sorry about that. I'm glad I got to get that out of my system. But. Well, I feel like this connects to what we're going to be talking about later because we're reviewing Venom. So, you know, it's definitely a spoiler cast for everyone listening now. We'll repeat the spoiler uh, after the break. But I feel like this whole – I just feel like this – what we're what you're experiencing with television, with geek television properties where you're like, oh, there's not really much that looks good. I feel like it, it's it's part of a bigger thing happening that I want to talk to you about when we talk about Venom. All right. Well, then we're going to get to that. We're going to do our commercial break, and we will be right back. I'm Void. And I'm Beach. And together, we're the geek to geek podcast. Well, we make it. It is kind of us, but I guess it's separate. Every week, we pick a topic from geek or digital culture and chat about it for a while. And you're invited. We talk about books and movies, games, comics, the internet. Or really whatever we feel like. Yeah, that too. So look for the geek to geek podcast on iTunes. Or wherever your podcasts are sold. Or downloaded. Or whatever. Hi everyone, I'm Katie. And I'm Chelsea, and we are the hosts of Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea. We are two best friends who love pop culture and talking about pretty much whatever we want. Katie! Yes? Stop thinking about Zac Efron and tell our future listeners what some of our latest episodes have been about. Well, we've talked about Zac Efron. No, get it together, Katie. Fine. We've talked about fan fiction, classical literature adaptations, favorite TV couples, and so much more. So grab your cup of tea or whatever your drink of choice and download our podcast today. And we are back. And uh, just a reminder to check out all the different shows on the geek to geek network. There's all sorts of stuff going on. Um, and, you know, we all love each other on the network. So make sure you're supporting all of our people. Today, Ray and I are going to be talking about Venom. It is a spoiler cast for the v- movie Venom, and yeah. It's been out <laughs> okay. for a while, right? It is like, honestly, to our audience, I think Ray and I have two or three times back and forth gone, really, we we, we need to cover Venom. Yeah, we need yeah. to. That means we have to watch Venom. Yeah, we got to watch <laughs> Venom. I'll say this, you know, um, I'm not mad at Venom. No, you I'm know, not mad I- at Venom either. I'm I'm not a fan, but Mm-mm. I'm not mad at it. It's it's not. I think Venom is 
Venom's gonna Venom. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I, I went in, Ray, with such low expectations that I don't know that it could have possibly been bad enough to be below my expectations. Right, right. And so I I almost had the exact same experience. I had very low expectations. And the the morning or, or, or the Friday before I went to go see it in, in the office, I mentioned to my coworker, Jason, shout out to Jason. Um, I'm going to go see Venom this weekend. We're going to podcast about it. Have you seen it? And he went, yeah. And I was like, oh, like he didn't even mention to me that he had seen it. So I was like, and? And I shouldn't have done that because he said, you know, it was better than I was expecting. And I went, oh, uh-huh. like I, <laughs> I had low expectations, but now you're saying that maybe they shouldn't be that low. But if they had stayed low, I probably would have enjoyed it more. So he did talk it up a little. He said, you know, it was it was decent. It was not as bad as he was expecting. So I kind of went in with those types of expectations. Low, but kind of like, oh, let's see. You know what I mean? I might be surprised. My friend Rob said that if we if this movie had been made in the nineties, we would have loved it. Oh my god, that is my that is basically my my summation of this whole movie. Like <laughs> if you if you could distill what that nineties Venom comic was and make a movie from it, this is that. Exactly. Which is why I'm not mad at it. Because it's like if you think about it, you know, you gotta come to these stories on their terms. Yeah. And and not every movie is trying to be Godfather. You know what I mean? Right, so right. so so you can't really I don't think it's fair to expect that of these properties. And this is I mean, dude, even the person next to me turned to me and said, This felt like a nineties movie. <laughs> and I was like, Oh my god, like totally. The her first comment actually was, This feels like a bro movie. Like this is yeah. and I'm like, Yeah, well Venom is a bro ass comic. Like my yeah. apologies. To, you know, people <laughs> to geeks out there that loved Venom in the 90s, but it was kind of a bro-ass comic. It was like, it, that was the 90s. That was the time. You know, I, I remember that that first, you know, that, that foil-covered first issue of Venom and I going like, who's asking for this? Well, it turns out <laughs> everyone that was going to be wearing, you know, Affliction t-shirts for the next 10 years. <laughs> well, and it's funny because, like, we we – tend to drop off Ollie at um, Matt's parents' house when we go out for extended periods of time. So, you know, he was at their house for our, you know, trip to the movies. And then we went and picked him up and his parents asked, so how was the movie? And Matt goes, eh, it was made for 15 year old boys. Oh my and, God. Totally. Yeah. And, and it's kind of like this movie didn't claim to be anything other than what it was. So like yeah. you said, you, you can't get mad at the movie because it that, – Yeah, that was a very helpful realization for me because, the, the, you know, 20 minutes in, I was like, oh, no, this is made for 15-year-old boys. And then like three-quarters of the way in, I was like, oh, they made this movie for 15-year-old boys. Like, Yeah, yeah. Like Tom Hardy was like, this is the movie I want to make, you know, because he like co-produced it or something, right? Oh, did he really? Yeah, I think he did. I think he he's like – was one of the like driving creative forces behind this this movie, and I, I got to say, I well, I, where where are we starting? Do you want to start with what we liked? Yeah, I have an interesting kind of timeline. Um, it's kind of all over the place because I didn't do like you know because uh, okay, my apologies, but I was that person in the theater, kind of like 
typing on my phone. In my defense, I did lower the brightness on my screen all the way down. And there's a certain jacket that I take with me to theaters when I know I'm going to be taking notes. And so I kind of build like a little tent so that like no one can see my phone, like as I'm typing, except for me, you know what I mean? So, uh-huh. so I was jotting like really quick little notes to myself on my phone throughout the movie, um, which I tend to do sometimes. Like when I know, like if a movie grabs me in the first act, I'm like there hundred percent. I'm not thinking about podcasting or notes or anything, but I can pretty much tell by now when I'm like, oh, I'm not going to enjoy this movie. So let me make this a productive viewing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Taking the notes actually reinvests me into the, the viewing experience, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, so, so, you know, I hope no one takes from that that I didn't give this movie its due or anything like that. Um, so, so my, my notes are in real time throughout the movie. They're not like jumbled together as like, this is all the good and this is all the bad and that sort of thing. Well, that's okay. Yeah, yeah. So first thing I noticed was terrible music. That was like, my first note was like, wow, this music is trying to do a lot of heavy lifting in terms of the story. Yeah. Right? Like, we all know by now music that goes, you're supposed to be scared right now, or you're supposed to be worried right now, or you're supposed to be happy right now. You know what I mean? Like, this felt like that kind of of score. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What do you, what are you, I'm looking at my notes and I'm just laughing. <laughs> um, my next note is fast story because it did feel like in the first few minutes that they were trying really hard to just get to the venom part of the venom movie, which I appreciate. Yeah. But what's yeah, funny, and I- <laughs> real quick, like eight notes down, uh-huh. <laughs> I have another story note that says, Fast but slow. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. It just like it just jumped through like all right, story point, story point, story point, story point, story point. Like we're ticking all the boxes of things you need to have yes. in this movie because we've got to have them in there. So here they are. So like <laughs> we're getting this stuff out of the way because we really know you just want like a slime covered superhero flying through. <laughs> New York. Like, we know that's what you want. So let's just get through all of this stuff right now. Yes. And it'll be great. The most obvious, the most, to me, the most obvious example of that was the scene where they set up how in utterly in love they are and how perfect they are for each other. And then literally a scene later, like two scenes later, that she's like dumped, like giving him his ring back. Like as she, as she walks out of her job with the box because she just got fired. So like in the moment that she's walking out of her job fired, she also gives him his ring back and walks away. And I was like, wow, the life comes at you fast, Eddie Brock. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. Uh, was, <laughs> they were trying to waste no time. No, there was no, I mean, there, and it was like, it was not up for discussion. It was not up for, we were not going to make this a, a heart wrenching scene. We were just going to be like, like, she just walks out, we're, we're done. And he's like, what? We're done? And she's like, this is not a surprise. And walks away. <laughs> yeah, seriously. It's not like a realization that there's bigger problems in your relationship than you first thought. It's like, nope, that happened while she was cleaning out her desk. <laughs> um, I did like, I have a positive note here. I really enjoyed the way they showed him as being part of the neighborhood that he lived in. 
Yes, yes, I like that too. I, I honestly liked the characterization of Eddie Brock. Yeah, yeah, I did too. And I think like that was one of those kind of series that like, you could you could tell that's what they were doing with the sequence. You know, everywhere he went, people knew who he was, people knew his name. He had a really like sweet interaction with the homeless person that that did a lot of things. It showed that he was part of the neighborhood. It showed his character and it set up that homeless person for later on for a scene later on, right? Because yes, which is, I don't know about you, but I'm seeing they're going, well, she's dying. <laughs> she's not going to make it out of here. <laughs> totally, totally. But it was like, to me, I was kind of like, okay, props. Like you found an efficient way to do all that. You know what I mean? Like, good job there. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, walking into, I did not see, I knew that when he was in the liquor store and that guy came in to kind of like shake down the, you know, the lady behind the counter, um, I thought he was going to do something right then and there. And kind of mm-hmm. show what kind of like like how he's he's already kind of a hero, you know? And yeah. he didn't, and I'm like, okay, he's an anti-hero. Like he's like, yeah, I care about these people, but I ain't gonna, you know, I ain't gonna fucking take a bullet. You know what I mean? Right, um, right, right. And then I thought, okay, well, that's gonna be set up. And then I forgot about it. Totally forgot about that. So at the end, I was like, oh, nice. Like this is a cool, like way late callback, but I kind of appreciated that about it too. That whole, I would agree. Yeah, that whole thing about being part of the neighborhood, though, I got to say, more – I think this is one of the better versions of that trope that I've seen. And it's surprising that it came in this movie because I feel like that whole thing has been held – is has been – has been not held – has been done in a very clunky way in, in more than one Spider-Man movie. And mm-hmm. even the thing – like, okay, speak – I just watched the first Avengers movie. And there's that whole sequence during the Battle of New York at the end when Captain America is doing his thing, saving people. And you can see the, the, the people, the civilians kind of taking note of who he is and how he's like, how much he's doing to like save them. That was a little, to me, a little bit cheesy. I feel like this was even better than that. Like just showing him walking around the neighborhood saying hi to people, you know? Yeah. Well, and I think it was a little bit, I, I don't think they made him as deplorable as they could have made him like, I think the idea, the, the arc would have probably been better if you started at a lower place and, and got brought up to, because I mean the, the whole reason why they broke up was bad, but it wasn't like, yeah. it wasn't a surprise. It wasn't a, it was a character flaw, but it wasn't a like, you know, he thought he was doing the right thing. And I think, I think when you're going to establish an anti-hero, you want to establish that he's more, for himself. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't at all for himself. And so they had to set, save the cat moment when they didn't need to save the cat. cat That's moment. so true. That's a really great way to put it. Yeah. I feel like if, if they had gone another way with the story or with, you know, what they wanted to set up for this film, this film could have been like the fall of Eddie Brock kind of, Yeah, you know what I mean? And I think that if they wanted to go in a different direction, like if they wanted a you know, a different, tone if they wanted to play with different themes i mean it doesn't mean that you have to wait until he'd fallen to to meet up with venom because that would have been very anticlimactic for venom fans you know it could have been he could have used you know the symbiote to kind of further his selfish goals or whatever as a reporter or his professional goals you know what i mean Um, right and that could be kind of cool and that's honestly that's that's a product of not starting with a spider-man movie like you you use the Spider-Man movie to drop Eddie Brock to, to the low point, and then you use uh, Venom to bring him back up. You're fucking right. 
Oh man, totally, totally. There, there you go. That's see, right away. It's like a fundamental thing to the character, right? Yeah, yeah. Because that that whole spiral would be really interesting to see, like that whole falling apart. You know what I mean? And then maybe at the end he could realize, like, oh, like I'm I'm hit rock bottom. You know. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then you could do like a little kind of like character turn at the end where he like decides he wants to use his powers for good for once, like for the first time, you know what I mean? Then the climactic scene could be him overpowering the symbiote and saying like, no, we're not going to do this bad thing. We're going to do this good thing. Yeah. Uh, but back to the movie that we actually saw, cause that, (laughs) that would be cool. Um, so I did note that there was some, a lot of the characters felt very cliched, like definitely the, the mustache twirling bad guy, like for sure. Yeah. And that whole first scene with the kids where that girl starts to say, the little African-American starts to say something and the kid like interrupts her and he goes, wait a minute. And then he's like, don't ever let anyone like interrupt. You. I was like, what, what is going on? Like this movie's trying to be woke. Like, <laughs> But it's and doing a horrible job of it. <laughs> yeah, totally. But it was just funny because he doesn't even answer the girl's question. Like she starts to ask a question, she gets interrupted, and he goes, "Hey, don't interrupt her." And he's like, "Okay, I gotta go." <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So and so, answer this girl's question. <laughs> yeah the the girlfriend character was okay. The um they did kind of the the Ant Man cast where they had the the ex and her new boyfriend oh yeah and which is kind of surprising because i feel like that's a lot less cut and dry than you expect this movie to be like you expect it to be like oh she gets together with a a jerk so that venom can beat him up Right, right but they didn't go that direction which i gotta say was pretty Good man, I like that too. Yeah, I appreciated that that little turn. Um, I de- you could definitely while well, you already talked about like set you know the setups that they were doing for later in the story. Um, I liked the way that the the stuff that they were setting up felt like character stuff, not plot stuff. Like yeah. they were setting up character traits, not like devices that were going to come in handy later. You know, so that like when this character acted in this way later on in the film, it made sense. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I, I, yeah. I appreciated that. Um, what did you think of, maybe it just stood out to me, but the whole um, Bible story about how Isaac was really the, <laughs> the, the, the hero of the, of that, of that Bible story. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I, I was sitting there going, I, you know, I was looking for the point of it and I did not find it. <laughs> I was like, this is an interesting, like, cause you, <laughs> I'm like, I, I, I felt like I could see the screenwriter sitting down going, okay, how am I going to do this scene? This, you know, a uh, uh, cliche scene for like the 700th time. And how am I going to bring this to it? Right. And it's, it's a story of Abraham, right. Who's, who's proving his obedience to God. And then at the end, he refers to himself as God in that scenario. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just like I'm like um I don't I don't think I don't think you it's it's like it's like in the Princess Bride where like after the after uh what's his face says said um 
inconceivable, <laughs> like for the 80th time. I do not keep thinking of that name. That, what is it? I do not think that word <laughs> means what you think it means. <laughs> exactly. I think, that's, I think that's kind of what happened here. I think it was kind of like, um, I don't think you were at school the day they taught that Bible story yeah. because I was just that was not. <laughs> That's not what that is. I was just like, you know what? They're really swinging for the fences here. Like, they are not, like, they, they just went for it. Okay, this, yeah, this villain has a God complex. Let's have himself refer to himself as God. Like, let's just take it there. And then I'm like, wow, there are, I, I wonder if there are people that are huge fans of this property that are going to see that and be like, damn, this is so deep. You know, like that might. <laughs> <laughs> that might happen. Um, I also thought that Michelle Williams was, uh, I don't want to say slumming it because, you know, I, I, I don't think this is like necessarily that kind of film, but I was surprised that she would be doing like, kind of like genre, you know, a genre, a straight genre film like this. Yeah. I, I just, she doesn't seem like serious. Her actress. character did very what she was didn't that? seem like like capital S A like serious actress to you. No, I think she does, but I she's not somebody that I have followed enough to be like, oh, why is she in this movie? Uh, Matt, did. yeah, Matt's seen her in apparently enough stuff that he was like, this is not. Yeah, she um, no, she does like the small indie like arty like really like well done understated stuff. Well, then, is she trying to do this as kind of her mainstream breakout? Maybe. Michelle Williams got to eat. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she at first I was like, oh, she's mailing this in. And then, like, halfway through when her character kind of comes back around, I was like, oh, she's – she's I like this. Like, I like this take on this character. And, and she's actually getting to do stuff, which I was, like, happy about. Mm-hmm. I did, I did appreciate the fact that they made Venom an alien, an actual alien from outer space – Throughout all the trailers and everything, I was—I really got the sense that it was going to be some kind of lab experiment gone wrong. Yes, yeah, no, I, I thought that—that's what it was going to be too, and I'm glad that they didn't go that direction. Right, right. Um, that being said, why the fuck is Venom named Venom, and why is the other alien named Riot, and why do they know English, and why the fuck are these <laughs> people like what the fuck, dude? What? <laughs> What is that? Riot? Like, what? <laughs> Why not puppy or butterfly? Like, what? um, I'm not, you know what? I could, because I can, I can no prize with the best of them, but I'm not going to, <laughs> because I don't think this movie deserves that kind of energy. It just if- kind of like, <laughs> do you ever get a student that comes to you and gives you an excuse that is so obviously fake that you're kind of impressed a little bit? You're just like, wow, you just – you really thought that was going to work. You just thought yeah. – <laughs> No, because those are feel. the kids that I usually sit there and go, please do not try and be a ninja as a career because you are very <laughs> – Here's another thing too. I did notice a couple of times where the alien symbiote referred to itself mm-hmm. in the plural in the plural sense and that bothered me that really bothered me because the, the the symbiote is one thing and eddie brock is another thing and together venom refers to himself as we yes we are venom our because it's both of them together and i really like the touch of like the symbiote can't even survive 
in our environment without a host. Like that was cool. Right. Um, but a couple of times the symbiote itself was saying we, and I'm like, wait, we, you, like you're talking to Eddie and, and he was obviously not including Eddie in the we. Yeah, I I didn't, I didn't necessarily notice it that much because I think I was I I did notice a couple, but I not I was like, did he use the right pronoun? Like there was a couple times where I was just like, those pronouns are not being consistently yeah, used, but I didn't yeah, I didn't and pull I, them out specifically. <clears throat> I know it, it may seem like nitpicky to some people, but it's like, look, I'm down for the world that you're building and the story that you want to tell, but. Whatever rules you decide to make, that's fine. But after that, I'm going to expect you to stick to those rules. Right. You know, and if you don't, it's going to start to unravel, you know, all the other suspension of disbelief that you're asking of your audience. So I don't feel like that's a nitpicky thing. Um, this is around the moment where I did write fast but slow because I felt like, yes, you were right. You're right. I think that they were checking off certain like story points just to get the thing going. But then it just felt like there was a lot of nothing happening. Yeah. Yeah, you know? there, were, there were definitely some pacing issues at some point. Um, one of the things I really did enjoy was I thought that the the Eddie Venom buddy movie part of it, I was yeah. like, I actually do want to see the character again because I enjoyed the, the back and forth relationship. Mm-hmm. But... I think that was tapping into a 15 year old brain because that's about the level of deepness that it got. Yeah. The the humor was there and I find it, I found it charming, but I felt like in better hands, it would have been even more amazing, but I did, I did it. I did find it charming. I thought, thought it. I agree with you though. Yeah. I feel like the dynamic is there for, for, a, a better, a more experienced screenwriter to take advantage of and like really like elevate it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I like that. Um, <laughs> I have the next note I have is in all caps and it just says dune buggy cops because <laughs> he was escaping the facility. Suddenly there were all these dune buggies like flying all over the place down the, down the mountain or, or hillside or whatever that he was running down. Um, I was surprised that, and and this is just a series of like little things that kept bugging me. I was surprised that after he like obviously freaked out and then like passed out and then like he wakes up and he's like in, in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Right. And then he has another freak out and then the doctor kind of, and this is before they realized that he has some kind of virus or something or, or, or a parasite. The doctor kind of walks him out and goes, okay, well, I'll let you know about those tests. Like he just kind of like leaves them. Yeah. And I'm like, why did, why did the doctor just release him like that? <laughs> like there's obviously something wrong with him. Um, and then little things like during the fight scenes, like the first few fight scenes, um, Venom is, is dodging all the bullets so that he doesn't get shot. And I was like, oh, cool. Like they're building in some kind of vulnerability there that is going to like make the character seem more like more human. But then all of a sudden he just starts like taking bullets and like blocking them with his like black goo. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, why was he dodging bullets in the first place? Yeah. Well, <laughs> like, well then, uh, you know, that like Scott Hayes's character, like the main security chief, like how, how high does your salary have to be? <laughs> that you're sticking around in this situation. Like, <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. There's no motivation for him to to not look at 
at Riz Ahmed's character and go, yo, you know what? I'm out. You're crazy. I'm done. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like there, Fuck this. There is no motivation. Like his salary must be so ridiculous. And at that point, I would think you go, you know what? I've been paid enough. I'm out. Like, yeah. Yeah. People, people heads are being bitten off. Like, yeah, it would have been cool if they built in some kind of like, personal vendetta early on like if there was some kind of interaction that made that cop or that that security guy like have it out for eddie brock you know what i mean then that would have been more like oh this guy really like hates this guy yeah then we've got context but i mean right now it's just like that's the only thing i could think of he must be getting so much money or like or love affair with with riot like i don't know but something's got to keep him there and they did not tell us what that was yeah, one of the uh, probably the best compliment that I can I think that I can give to this movie coming just from like what what I enjoy about comic book films and what I look for, um, I found myself wanting to see a, a battle between this Venom and uh, the Spider Man that we are at now. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I would fucking love to see that, Joe. I would love because this feels like a very formidable foe for Spider-Man, like Venom would. And it felt like that in the comics. I remember that feeling in the comics of like, oh my God, like there's no way Spider-Man is going to survive the next fight with Venom, you know? Right. And, and this movie, like for sure, the way that they show his powers and everything, I'm like, oh my God, this would be such a like good foe for Spider-Man. There's no, he would be so outmatched that it would be like really, really riveting to, to watch them to go at it. I, I would agree. What I don't find riveting is the um, consistent use. And we've complained about this before, but can we please stop pitting people against other people with the same power set? Can oh we God. please my stop note, doing that? <laughs> my note is Hulk versus abomination. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what it exact is. It's, it's, it's Ant-Man versus uh, Yellow Jacket. It is yeah. Black Panther versus Killmonger. It is yeah. like it's that is not interesting. What is interesting yeah. is when you've got somebody who's got a power set that they are not equipped to handle. I mean, right. I get it story wise. It makes sense that it was another um, uh, another symbiote, yes. but but then yeah. you know they 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 did set it up for another movie. Yeah. And yeah, it's going to be another symbiote. Like, yeah, <laughs> it is. at least have give the symbiote different powers or yeah. have them use the powers in a different way. But yeah, I, the thing that really annoys me most about that is just the lack of clarity. Like mm-hmm. if you're going to do that, but have really strong storytelling visuals, like that's fine. I, I'm willing to work with that. Um, what, what really irks me is how the, the film is shot one way when it's, like just, you know, I guess no CGI, but once the CGI kicks in, the camera angles change, the speed of the cuts changes, all the editing. And so suddenly it feels like a very different type of movie. Mm-hmm. And that just, that's really, it's not only, uh, it's not only kind of boring, but it's just confusing. Yeah. So yeah, I agree with you that it just really made me feel like seeing that Edward Norton, uh, incredible Hulk film when he, fights the abomination at the end, which is the same thing. It just feels like a bunch of glistening green skin in the dark. And you're just like, uh, okay, what's going on? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I have a couple more 
you know, good things that I liked about it. Um, I, I liked the way they altered the venom, the visuals of venom, because it really wouldn't make sense if he had that Spider-Man symbol on the front. Right. And so even, even though it's kind of iconic, um, I like what they, I was interested to see how they were going to handle just an all black like character. And I liked the way they kind of built in the, the details and the highlights in his body. Mm-hmm. Um, I also really liked how they solved the, the eyes problem because it's such a, it, it, as, as iconic as it is, it's, it's such a problem to, to change that the Venom's face to, to kind of translate it to a film because in the comic book, it's got these huge white eyes and they're like Rorschach, like ink blotches. Like they're not, they're never the same from one panel to another. Right. right? And so, and, and then it's like, is it a mask? Like it feels flat. Yeah. Right. And so I'm like, how are they going to handle that? I really love, it's such a little thing, but I loved the way they handled it. The way they made the, the white of his eyes feel like, like irises, like, or, or, or whatever. Like it felt like wet, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and then the borders of the, of the black goo around the white eyes was always moving. And it's just such a little thing, but like visually I thought, man, that was so interesting. Like they nailed it. I thought, yeah, I thought the character design was really good. Like it, it yeah. felt, he felt imposing. He felt, uh, he did, he felt right. Yeah. Yeah, he yeah, exactly. The the scale, even like the, the, the proportions of the body felt like they, they did change it a little bit from the comic, but I could see why they did it and I think it worked. Mm-hmm. Um I do think it you know, if they wanted to go this route in, in the in, you know, going forward, him not having that symbol does set up like a cool kind of evolution of the character if he ever does come in contact with Spider Man. Yeah. You know, it'd be kind of like a funny, kind of trollish kind of move to then adopt that symbol, like a similar symbol, yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I got a few more notes. Do you have anything else? No, not any. Um, I mean, I, I felt like at some point I got to uh, a point with the, the, the movie where it was like, I stopped analyzing it. I'm like, all right, I'm just going to ride the rest of it out. Okay. Okay. Well, I noticed the very obvious vocal change from Eddie Brock in the last scene. Did you notice that? Um, which scene? It, it was jar- the very last scene with him on the steps with Michelle Williams. Uh-huh. It was his, his accent changed. That's another thing about, about um, Tom Hardy. It's so funny to me that he clearly wishes that he was like, a, a, like like a rough around the edges like Italian dude from the East Coast. Yeah. <laughs> like I feel like he tries to play that character in so many properties because he's really this like soft spoken like English dude, mm-hmm. right? Like British dude, <laughs> and yet he he's like I feel like this is his go to like characterization for so many of his movies. Well, maybe um, that's just the accent he can do. <laughs> Right, right. He just really wants to be this, like, really, like, kind of, like, you know, rough dude, right? Like, from the streets, like, of, of you know, New York or whatever. Um, but at the very end, and I was like, okay, whatever. A few times during the movie, like, a few times in, in some scenes, I was like, is he playing Robert De Niro as Eddie Brock? Like, I, think <laughs> I can doing. see that. <laughs> Which, like, I kind of give him props for. I'm like, dude, like, that's not bad. 
Uh, but then at the end of the movie, his his accent changes. His voice totally changes. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, is, <laughs> like, is this the first scene that they shot? Like, before he, like, nailed down the accent or whatever, the characterization? That, that definitely stood out to me where I was, like, looking around going, is anyone else about to laugh at this or is it just me? Um, I also have a thing of, like, why did she kiss him? Yeah. Did that bother you at all? Uh, it didn't bother me. I think it was the idea that the symbiote is just prime. It's like it's supposed to come bring out your primal um, wants oh. and desires kind of thing. Again, that's a no prize. I didn't get but that. I think that's what the idea was. What? Are you serious? I didn't. I didn't get that at all. I love that no prize. I love that idea. I wish they had. Because okay, one of the things was that. He was always yeah. hungry, right? Now, if they had showed Eddie in the beginning of the movie, like, I don't know, having like a eating disorder or like body dysmorphia issues or like trying to cut back or like, or like maybe like worried about his health mm-hmm. or something, then it would make sense in what you're saying of like, you know, the symbiote kind of like uh, uh, exacerbating all your worst features or whatnot, or like your, your, your itish, you know, kind mm-hmm. of desires. I love, dude. I I wish that was a thing. Is that something that you picked up on? I, or I don't know that I picked up on it. I just kind of was like, that's the only justification I can see about her. Like she was like on the high of the power and everything else, and so she kissed him. Um, right. That's that's the only thing I could pull uh-huh. out of it as as for a a reason that that would have happened. Like, huh. like she's got, okay. she's still got feelings for him, and so because the the symbiote doesn't let you, you know, it's kind of all, it's it is kind of the id, you know. Yeah, yeah, man. I, I really, I wish they had, I wish there had been something that they pushed forward more because I really like that idea. That gives a whole character that like adds to Eddie's character. You know what I mean? Like it, it defines it defines the personality of the symbiote more. And that was another note that I made where I was like, it doesn't, Venom doesn't feel like a character. Like there's no characterization of this alien because it's just, it's, it's like making jokes in the moment and it's like doing things to discombobulate like his regular life. But I didn't feel like that was a driving force. Even at the end where all of a sudden Venom is like, Oh, I'm, I decided to betray my fucking alien civilization and save the planet. And Eddie's like, why? And I was like, yeah, me and Eddie are like, why? And he goes, because of and you, And then they Eddie. never like, talk what? about it. Like, they I never just, talk I, about what it was about Eddie oh, that, you know, other than like, okay, don't. so now are they involved? Like, what? what is going right. on here? Like, give us what is oh, going on God. here. And yeah. Joe. Yeah. Joe. A romantic comedy with Eddie. Brock I think that's. I. I wouldn't be surprised if that's where. Like it could have. It could have gone that way. Oh, dude! So oh, I'm, sure, I'm. Dude, I am sure there is fan fiction. Can, I am sure there is fan fiction. Can we please get? Can we please get tea time to do <laughs> a, 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 a romantic comedy version of the Venom movie? That would be so great. Um. God, yeah, dude. So see, that that just – you're right. They never talked about that again. It was just kind of a line where he just decides to kill his leader and betray his entire – like choose Earth over his entire civilization 
but still kind of want to eat people. It just, yeah, it was a mess like that. I don't know. I guess I, I I don't know. Maybe I'm asking too much from the property at this point, you know? Well, I mean, is it, is it too much to ask for you to put through all the, like follow up on everything you put out there? And I don't think they did. Right. Right. Yeah. I do think it's extremely fitting that um, Eminem recorded the cheesy official title track of, of the Venom. Yeah, song. I noticed that too. Um, <laughs> I was like, mm-hmm. I feel like that is so fucking fitting, dude, because if Black Panther deserves Kendrick Lamar, then Venom definitely deserves Eminem. <laughs> <laughs> like, that is like perfect fucking like poetic justice that is perfect casting yeah no i i I kind of walked out (laughs) with it and i was like okay yeah i this this fits (laughs) this fits what this is it totally fits (laughs) totally because you know eminem fans are fucking venom fans yeah like totally so you know this this property Um, knew what it was about like that's you got to give it props for being self-aware yes Yes, absolutely. Kudos to them, to the filmmakers, to the storytellers. They understood this property, and I think this movie does that. And guess what, Joe? It's making a yeah, shitload no, of gonna money. There's going to be a second one. Oh, can we can we talk about the stingers? Oh yeah, that's right. Let's do okay. that for sure. So, wait, 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 wait. Stingers did plural. You stay all the way till the very end. Ah shit! Um, I didn't. All right. Well, I will tell you about that experience. Um. But before yes. before we do that, let's talk about the stinger that you did oh stay for. Right, right. Woody Harrelson. No, <laughs> I'm just gonna. I'm just throwing out a I'm throwing out a hard no right now. Oh God, that was so awkward. I, that was so. It poorly was poorly executed. executed. <laughs> it was just weird, like. <laughs> Woody Harrelson has kind of entered that realm for me of people I just don't want to watch in movies anymore. You mean that, like, Nicolas Cage? No, because Nicolas Cage, if I'm going to go to see a Nicolas Cage movie, I'm going there to make fun of Nicolas Cage. Like, I am going there to have a good time at Nicolas Cage's expense and and possibly go, hmm, he did something interesting there. That's what what I'm doing for a Nicolas Cage movie. He he has entered the realm of I am tired of Woody Harrelson playing Woody Harrelson in every movie that he's in. <laughs> okay, um, that's kind of where Nicolas Cage is for me. But okay, um, are you saying that Nicholas, Are you saying that Woody Harrelson uh, uh, was detrimental to the solo film, the solo movie that just came out? Um. <laughs> uh. So many snarky comments, and they're all hitting. They're all hitting the palate at the same time. Um, it's like everything trying to rush through the door at the same time, so nothing comes yeah, out. He, like he's like, stuck. when I watch a Tom Cruise movie, I'm not watching the character. I'm watching Tom Cruise. When I'm watching a, and this is why, and I know a lot of people don't like my stand on Tom Hanks, but when I'm watching a Tom Hanks movie, I'm watching Tom Hanks. Um. And and Woody Harrelson has just entered that world where 
it's that's who I'm watching. So there was enough going on with Han Solo that I was like, and, and he was a, a big enough part of it that I'm like, all right. So Woody Harrelson is part of the Star Wars universe. I, I will, I will let that yeah. go. But I didn't enjoy the character. I didn't find the character interesting, and it was completely predictable. Yeah. Maybe there's a tell for how palatable Woody Harrelson is going to be in the movie that he's in, based on the wig. <laughs> Here's the thing. If you're going to make him Woody Harrelson, don't like if you're going to go with Woody Harrelson, make the character Woody Harrelson. Don't try to make the character something other than Woody Harrelson because it's just going to be Woody Harrelson pretending to be Woody Harrelson pretending to be this thing. <laughs> Look, I I've already said I was not a fan of the, of the 90s Venom comic. Um I honestly and I know I'm going to get hate from this. I I fully expect it, but I honestly feel like I put the same, I put Venom, Deadpool, and to a lesser degree, Gambit kind <laughs> of in the same box of 90s characters that were fun ideas that did not deserve to be anywhere near as popular as they became in the 90s. And so Carnage was like, didn't even. Maybe Carnage was the box. I don't know. But, like, <laughs> Carnage did – I didn't even get to that point. You know what I mean? Like, um, who else? Like, like Azrael, like the Batman, like, like stand-in when, when Bane broke right, Batman's right, right, back. Right. Like, that was another thing. I was just, like, enough with all these, like, pocketed, like, razor-wielding, like, fucking quirky characters, you know? Like, like um, so Carnage was not something that I, I, I kind of only ever – glanced at Carnage from afar going, what the fuck is going on over there? All right, whatever. Like, you know, like, uh, um, so, so I'm definitely not the person to come to, to, you know, kind of, uh, uh qualify like the movie version of, of Carnage. That being said, if, if the, the character is known for its, for his bright red white dude, Afro, um, Maybe find somebody who can yeah. pull that off. Don't don't stick that wig on Woody Harrelson and just kind of like roll yes. cameras. Um, from what I understand of the Carnage character, I think the idea of the idea of taking Woody Harrelson's character from Natural Born Killers and sticking him in that role, I think, would be a brilliant choice. This no. was not that. No, this was not. <laughs> this was not. Um, now, now I do have to take a quick tangent because you do realize what you just did. Yes, you, I know. <laughs> you, 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 you said the magic word, and we all Pee Wee Herman screamed, and now we have oh. to figure out what's going on with the Gambit movie. <laughs> I knew exactly what was coming. <laughs> Oh, October 3rd, uh, comicbook.com. Uh, <laughs> Gambit producer clarifies film has changed into more of a love story. Oh, and is that real? I, I am reading, reading something, something off right of now? the interwebs. Oh, my God. <laughs> I guess I deserve that, Joe. I guess for invoking the name of, uh, of Gambit. <laughs> this, is, this is what I want to happen. Oh I, want, I want... I want a 60-year-old Channing Tatum to finally 
off of the money of his other movies, produce the Gambit movie, and still insist on playing Gambit. That's what I am. That is what I am holding out for. Oh my god! That's it's it's going to be Channing Tatum in a bad wig. Yeah, it's going to be. I like. Um, oh, okay, no. so just because I mean, this is this we're doing it live, people. We're doing it live. Um, uh, comicbook.com, the author is Matthew Muller. Gambit producer clarifies film has changed into more of a love story. 20th Century Fox's Gambit movie is now eyeing a 2020 release, but the film that will finally hit theaters is far different than the one that originally got the green light. The Gambit movie has really had only one constant, which has been the involvement of star Channing Tatum. Stop trying to Ryan Reynolds at Channing Tatum. It's not going to happen. So far, the project has seen a number of different directors take the helm and depart. And it turns out that's not the only thing that's changed. Gambit producer and Dark Phoenix director Simon Kinberg revealed Uh. that Gambit has gone from a heist film, which I would have been on board with, to more of a love story. It still has the elements of a heist movie. Uh, It has the elements of a romantic comedy and elements of a heist movie because he is a thief. But it is a love story between him and Bella. Oh, God. In the sequel, Gambit gets rung up on sexual assault. Um, Well, I mean, it's just – okay, so (laughs) when – for those of you who haven't been following our podcast for long – um, we tend to feel that if you ch- change direction mid film, um, it's not going to work. Bad sign. <laughs> so don't. Yeah, do it's that. a bad. You don't. Oh, don't. Yeah. How many times does it change like mid production, whatever, like mid development? It's yeah. It's not. Uh, this is just like writers trolling us at this point, right? Because Marvel's like none of these movies are coming out. Like none of these X Men films are going to be made. Like Dark Venus is going to come out, it's going to tank, and then everyone's going to use that as an excuse to say, "Well, you know, you'll never see New Mutants," and you know, we're we're starting from scratch, like we're because because Marvel's Marvel's doing yeah, this. So, so this is what Marvel should do. Marvel should just take Deadpool and make Deadpool three the Gambit movie. Oh, I yes, because then they'd make fun of Gambit. They'd made fun of Channing Tatum playing Gambit, and he could play Gambit. He'd be a terrible Gambit, but he can play Gambit. And 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 we will get a Gambit movie that the two of us will be sitting there going, "There is no reason this was as good as it should have been." I mean, there's no <laughs> way this was should have been this good. Yeah, I, I really like that idea a lot. You should you should tweet that um, <laughs> with with yet another link to our Gambit movie episode. <laughs> Yes. I want the, the gift that keeps giving. Um, I, I want to hear, because I foolishly, and this kind of shows like what state of mind I was in uh, at the end of this movie. I, I saw the, the mid credit stinger and then I just said, okay, we're, we're done. Like, let's, let's go. Um, I didn't even bother looking up whether or not there was a, a, a end credits thing. What was usually now, I don't know if this is going to follow the same, uh, uh, path as as the marvel movies but usually the mid credit stinger is more story influence and then the end credit stinger is just like a fun little like throwaway yes joke. is that the no. case here uh okay. oh shit you okay yeah i'm just well no it wasn't it, it it really had nothing to do with venom at all 
It was a it was a preview for the new Spider Verse movie. Wait, the the three D the animated one? It was. But didn't they show up? They showed a trailer to that before. They had a three minute preview of the film. Oh, which was fine, except I wish I knew what that was because I wouldn't have stayed for it. And it was like, seriously, the longest credits ever. And Matt, Matt was like, I'm going to the bathroom. I will see you outside. And then texted me going, is everything okay in there? Because the, the credits would not end. And then when they did end oh. and they went into the animated Spider-Man trailer, um, not trailer, like preview, like three minute cutscene, I'm like, okay, well, I feel like I'm going to have to talk about this. Wait, wait. It was like a sequential scene. It was a full like scene. It was a chunk of. Yeah. Oh, that's. Yeah. What? Did they advertise? No, the I think it was like a hey surprise, but it's like no, I like we're, yeah, done. we're done. Yeah, like I, I want to, I will go see the movie. Like I'm excited about the animated Spider Verse movie. Like it, it looks like it's cool and interesting yeah. and something completely different than we've had in a while. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Why? Yeah, that's like when that's like right, right, right. I was just gonna say that's like when you put like a. Uh, uh, a piece of steak in your mouth and it tastes like ice cream. And it's like, I love ice cream, but ew, because I was not expecting ice cream. No, this is not what, this is not what I wanted. (laughs) Like I'm willing, I'm willing to get a ha ha moment from the, and, and and for those of you who are like, but it was amazing. Like, yes, it was a very cool. I, I appreciate it. I'm already looking forward to the movie. I didn't need to sit through three minutes of it right now. I want to go take it all in at the same time. Yeah, like if they had told you, hey, at the very end of Venom, you're gonna get a three minute like cutscene from Spider Man into the into the Spider Verse, you would have been like, oh, that's cool. I'm not gonna stick around for that, but what a cool thing to do for people. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So you know, oh, that's a weird. It was like the the preview. It was after one of the movies, one I think one of Fox's movies that they did. The 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 second or the 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 stinger was a scene from the next X-Men movie. Like, do you remember that? Oh, was it? It a was scene? a scene from the next X-Men movie. And I'm like, well, that's no, that's not what stingers are for. Was wait, no, I'm thinking the only thing that comes to mind is where at the end of X-Men three, like apparently Magneto has lost his powers but then they show him playing chess by himself in the park at the very end. And like his powers start to come back. And then I think that scene was in the next movie or some shit like that. Or I think is that. No, I, I don't know about that. I was, it was a, it was a military scene with mystique and the, um, the new mystique, not the original mystique. Oh, why show the whole scene? I don't, don't, I don't know. Do I don't know. I remember finding it very odd when it happened, and it was very disturbing for me. I was like, I don't know why we just watched this. And that's how I felt like this. And meanwhile, like Matt's concerned because I'm like, it's like, did you die in there? What happened? Because it was, it was long credits, and then it was three minutes of of Spider Verse, and I'm like, Ray's totally gonna stay for this, so I need to stay so we can talk about it. 
Oh man, no! You're like, no, man, I didn't die, but this movie is. Yes, kill pretty me. much, pretty much. And so, and at that point, I was like, I was like, all right, Venom, you 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 did me a solid. I I I appreciate that you didn't suck as badly as I expected you to. But but the evening's over now. Go home, <laughs> like, or yeah. let me go home. One of the two. We're, I mean, we're obviously getting another another Venom movie, and I'm. I feel like we've reached this point now in this genre where there's we're far enough along now that there these movies are going to have different goals. Mm-hmm. Like they're they're not not you know Marvel is a certain flavor, mm-hmm. and up until this point we're we've been kind of like okay after like years of starts and stops with different like comic book like superhero movies. Marvel cracked the code, right? They figured out the formula and, you know, everyone was trying to just find a way to, to replicate that formula. Um, even with stuff like Deadpool, that is obviously like a different, you know, it's R rated. It's a different thing. There's still a certain aesthetic that is being presented. And I feel like Venom is like a sign that like, you know, there are, there are, going to be franchises now that don't even try to replicate that aesthetic and would still, will still succeed for, for, for the, the terms that they're setting. Yeah. But at the same time, I think it's not doing anything we'd expect it not to do because when we covered the, let me get it right now, the Sony cinematic universe of Marvel characters. Is that right? Um, when we, the Sony universe of Marvel characters. Yeah. That's so great. when we covered that, we said, these are going to end up being like, the, we're going back to the nineties movies. This is what they're going to be like. And that's what we got. And that's yeah, what we got. We got like- a better version of it than we were expecting, but it wasn't what we didn't. It's not, it's not what we, it's not anything we didn't expect to get. What are, what are top tier for you when you were collecting comics in the heyday of like, you know, your, your, your pool lists and all that stuff. What were the top tier comic titles? <laughs> you know me, Ray. I was not collecting top tier. I was collecting Alpha Flight okay. New Warriors. <laughs> That's my point. Though. What were the top tier were X Men, Uncanny X Men, definitely. Right? Um, Captain, Captain America, Spider Man, Spider Man, Batman, definitely, or Legends of the Dark Knight. I feel like sure. Superman was in there right? a little bit. Yes, yes. Um, Superman had like four titles going at one point. It was Man of Steel, it was Superman, it was Last Son of Krypton, and there was a Superman Adventures or something like that. Yeah. Um, those are the top-tier titles, mm-hmm. right? But then, you know, in the comic book industry, we've always had, like, the second-tier titles, right? Like, what did you say? Like, maybe Green Lantern, um, what else? The Hulk, the Hulk definitely. Is a Fantastic title, Four, you know? since forever, has yes. been second-tier. Yes. Iron Man, maybe it was even a third-tier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Dude, that's the movies. That's what we're. That's this. That's mm-hmm. this. And it's like those those second and third tier titles were not trying to be first tier titles. That wasn't their goal. And they still had fans that were supporting them. Mm-hmm. You know. And I feel like Venom is very consciously a second tier superhero movie. I I feel like that's a good that's a good way to put it. I I, I agree with I agree with your assessment because. And I think, yeah, because I think, I think it, it does, it, it, I will, I will give Sony this 
at least with this movie, they are not trying to be Marvel. I feel like DC is still trying to accomplish what Marvel is accomplishing. Sony is not trying to do that. And so I, I, right. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. This is like the fast and the furious of superhero. Movies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? No, absolutely. I, I think it is. We, which is not bad. Like that's not that's not a that's not a dig, you know. Like I I get why the Fast and the Furious franchise has been so successful. It just like you know, there's car geeks and there's sports geeks, you know. Like th- that's what those films are for. And I feel like this is is that that kind of superhero. Film. Yeah. No, I would agree. I would agree. And and I think I think a lot of us. <laughs> this is the when we say it does the night it, it's going back to the 90s it's like a good 90s movie um i think when when all all of these fanboys that we criticize for getting upset that they change too many things when they do remakes or when they do sequels or anything else i think this is the kind of movie that they'd get behind because it accomplished the idea of doing something that existed back then better without changing it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let, okay. I'm going to name off some heist films. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, the usual suspects, mm-hmm. uh, reservoir dogs, mm-hmm. uh, heat. Okay. Yeah. These are all heist films and I like all of those movies. Mm-hmm. Okay. They're great movies. I think, you know what else is a great heist film from the nineties? Fucking Point Break. Yes. <laughs> like, that's a great film. Point Break is a fucking classic, and I will fight you. <laughs> but it's not, it's not Reservoir Dogs. No. You know? And so, you know, I hope that no one is, is, is taking this review of Venom as being like, I hated it. Like, yes, there was things that I didn't like about it. But if I was sitting down to watch Point Break and expecting the usual suspects, I'd be like, wait, 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 wait. So the best way that the guys can think of these guys can think of like robbing a bank involves skydiving and surfing. Like what the fuck? You know what I mean? But that's not, that's not the point of it. You know? You're like, absolutely right. No, you're absolutely right. So, you know, yes, the, the, the main protagonist is a detective who's a former college football star quarterback. Like, yes, that's what this film is. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and it's fucking great. Like it's great. I, I will be very honest. I was like, all right, I'm ready for another Venom. Let's go. And then Woody Harrelson, I'm like, oh, <laughs> back it up. Back oh, away yeah. slowly yeah. from that. <laughs> <laughs> go there. But, but before that happened, I was like, I, I am I am ready to enjoy the Tom Hardy Venom banter back and forth yeah. in another film. Yeah. And it's not gonna be and you know what? It's not gonna be Shakespeare, <laughs> but I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. Oh, they're friends, and that's, and that's all I need out of the movie. Yeah, yeah. And there's gonna be people that I talk to that like Point Break is one of their favorite films of all time. And I'm gonna say, you know what? I can't take a movie like that serious enough to to feel that way about it. But I respect that choice. Like I get that. I get what is appealing about that. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. So, so that's how I feel about Venom. You know, obviously we're 
reviewing these films. We can only review them, you know, with our own taste in mind. That being said, like, this is why I'm willing to like go to what the story is trying to accomplish. And that's where I feel like, Oh, it did, it, it accomplished what it set out to. This really is a perfect distillation of that nineties comic. Yeah. Yeah. It really like, is. That, that is not easy to do. That is really hard to do. Actually. Can you imagine if they made a blue beetle movie that just nailed the the aesthetic and the story of that Blue Beetle, like DC Blue Beetle comic from the 90s and early aughts. Like, dude, that would be a fun-ass movie. Yeah. Yeah, you know? you're absolutely so, right. And and that's what this was. This was a fun movie. Like, they're, like if, again, I we, we are often accused of being too hard on movies. This was a fun movie. And I I went in, like, honestly, we put it, like, I think both of us put it off and put it off. I'm like, I don't want to go. I, I yeah. dragged myself to this movie. I did not want to see <laughs> this movie. And Matt, <laughs> Matt honestly looked at me and goes, why are we going to see this? You look like you're in pain. And I'm like, I know, but I've got to cover it. <laughs> And I enjoyed it. Yeah. I walked out going, I, that didn't suck. I'm, a, yeah. I'm good with this. Yeah. You know, I'm not, I'm not a big uh, fan of Beyonce. I understand why she is like, you know, the queen that she is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm just not a big fan of, of her music. Um, I bet if I went to go see a Beyonce concert, I would probably leave impressed. I'd probably go like, holy shit. You know, like she's a fucking amazing performer. Um, that wouldn't make me probably go out and buy her albums, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah, no, I'm, but, I'm not running out and buying a whole bunch of Venom comics. Right, right, exactly. But, um, you know, and, and I'm using, you know, I mean, Beyonce's like the top of her fucking, <laughs> like, she's the top of the top of, like, anyone who's ever done what she does. So I'm not saying, like, Venom is the top of top of anything. But I'm saying, like, it's an example of, of a fandom where I'm just like, you know, I'm not part of that fandom, but I can understand, you know, why people love it. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure I would probably get something out of it. You know, now am I going to spend 500 bucks to go see Beyonce? No, I can't afford that. But, <laughs> you know, uh, I, I'm actually excited. This does make me excited about what other types of movies, superhero movies we're going to start to get. Because look now, we've had Logan do something different. Yeah. Deadpool do something different, and now Venom is doing something different. So we have to reassess our our episode of the Sony universe of Marvel characters. I mean, yeah, kind of. It it's still I, I don't know, dude, because a mess is still a mess, you know. <laughs> like I hope that they... watching the hard the hot mess stumble down the street at two o'clock in the morning. Yeah, dude. Yeah, <laughs> because I really liked DC's plan to be like we're going to be the more serious, you know, gritty universe. I'm like, dope. If they had done that well, great. But they still didn't do that well, right? So, so you know, I, I'm all for it. Um. And you know what, what the next film is, right? That's going to do something different. What's that? It's New Mutants. <laughs> I'm still betting that's not coming out. I'm still, I'm still oh, banking oh. On, on, on Dark Phoenix not doing well. And them going, we're out. We're done. Marvel, it's oh, all yours. Man. Did you see the trailer for Dark Phoenix ahead of Venom? Yeah. What did you, like, I'm just like, who was asking for this movie? Well, and like I just we, we uh, discussed this on one of the episodes when you weren't here, uh, Brian and oh, I okay. talked about it. But but my my feeling is is that evil Jean Grey is not interesting. Yes, dude. It it the the worst thing about it was that when that trailer wrapped in the theater, the whole it just the whole audience just felt like 
meh. Like, oh, uh, I guess that's going to be a thing that's out. It's like, would, like you it taste, wasn't, would you taste something that has that bitter aftertaste and it just lingers? And you're just like, ew, that, that, that was a bad whatever that was. Yeah. That, that's, that's how I felt after watching the trailer. It's just – yeah. It, it's it's not different enough from from the f- X3. It's not. It's going to be the same plot. Mm-hmm. It makes no sense. Yeah, they haven't dude. done the work to care for us to care about Gene. Really haven't haven't like at least at least um, the the first Jean Grey had uh, uh, two movies before this one for us to care about her. And honestly, I think a big reason why the movie just tanked is that they lost Cyclops. Um, cause he went and, and filmed Superman, but yeah, but, um, you know, not that it was going to be ever that great, but at least they had done a little bit work to build it up. We've had this new Jean Grey for one movie. Can you imagine if, <laughs> can you imagine if we're talking about X3 in fondly after this, the new, the new Dark Phoenix movie? Can you imagine if, if this one casts that one in a better light? Like, are we going to like, what the fuck, dude? The, the George W. Uh, effect. Oh my God. No. <laughs> you see? Uh, I think that's a wrap. This and scene. You just kindly, you kind of, kind of referred to the new Dark Phoenix movie as a potential Trump. So let's, let's stop there. <laughs> Oh my god, that's that's scary. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, you uh, opened the door. You opened the door. Right? I just walked through it. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. And I and I apologize for that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, should we wrap it up if we beat this one yeah. to death? <laughs> yeah, let's do that. Do you have any uh, have any um, shout outs this week? I I just want to give a proper shout out to to my buddy Jason. Uh, we're both on the road. Um, don't see each other as much in the offices. We're used to seeing each other, but when we do get together, we always have a great time. Um, I love that he keeps up on all the geek stuff like I do because like I have that reliable, like kind of like geek out time when I see him where I'm like, Oh, you, he actually saw the Venom movie before I did. I'm like, damn, I'm sleep. I'm slipping on my, yeah. on my geek cred here. So thanks to a uh, shout out to Jason for, for keeping me honest. <laughs> Awesome. I want to give a shout out to Brian Johnson for covering the last two episodes and, uh, and helping us keep on track. Yeah. And, uh, and I, and, and to our listeners who I, I will apologize. I kind of have mentioned this around on, on social media because this is coming out in like two weeks. This is because I am so far behind in posting things, but, um, I have been very, very busy and, and, probably should just be announcing a hiatus but we kind of keep trying to at least get one out every week or two weeks or like and i realize that we're not being great about consistency but 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 we're trying we're trying um so that's that's where we're at thank you for sticking with us and and go ahead and and give us a a holler when uh with your your opinions on venom cool all the music in this episode is Ben Sound and is being used under Creative Commons license. You can find more music by Ben Sound at bensound.com. Geek2Dude is a proud member of the Geek2Geek Network. Check out other Geek2Geek shows such as the Geek2Geek podcast, uh, 
geek fitness health hacks and tea time with Katie and Chelsea. And make sure to join our Reddit community at r forward slash geek to geek cast. Uh, you can currently find us at geektitude.com as well as on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, and most other podcatchers out there. Please leave us a review and spread the word. If you'd like to contact me, you can send me an email at joehogan at geektitude.com. You can also follow the show on Twitter at geektitude or me personally at Epic Grays. Ray, where can we find you? As always, uh, I am across various social media platforms at username RayVargus3. Um, so you can find me on Facebook or Instagram, mostly on Twitter these days, but um, just hit backslash RayVargus3 and you'll find me. Also, my website online, if you ever want to check out my work, uh, my artwork is at RayVargus3.com. So pretty easy, pretty easy to find. All right, that brings us to a close this week. We will be back soon, and until then, remember to keep it geek. This is Frazzly with Frazzlecast. Do you want to talk about World of Warcraft every week with different people and a little bit of geeky stuff? Check out Frazzlecast.com and on all of your favorite podcast players. And remember, keep it geek. So how would you describe a podcast like The Shared Desk? It's a podcast that took its sweet time to do a promo. (laughs) Yeah, well, I think that goes without saying. I mean, you could say The Shared Desk is a podcast about collaboration, because that's what we do. Wait, 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 wait. There's a lot more to The Shared Desk. You got our Loot Crate looky-loo. Oh, what's in the box? And then what we're doing when we're not writing, usually it's pretty nerdy. Nerd! And then there are the drop-ins. Has the whole world gone crazy? Yes. There are drop-ins. And we love having guests on the show. It's the shared desk, after all. And if it's Katie or Lauren, you get some lovely singing as well. So find the shared desk on iTunes, Stitcher, or at thesharedesk.com. The shared desk. Two writers. One podcast. Different different points points of view. song means it is once again time to promo the Geek Wolf Pack Podcast. I'm your Papa Wolf, Nick Kelly. And I'm your Mama Wolf, Stacia Kelly. And I'm Thermal Wolf, Brennan Kelly. Here on the podcast, we're just a couple of generations geeking out and sharing what we think we think. We'll share the latest nerd news and sci-fi happenings. Looking for life hacks? I'll tell you if there's an app for that. And I'll give you the latest from a gamer's point of view. Plus, every episode includes some of what we like to call ADHD D&D. I'm a healer, and I killed a dragon. Spoilers. <laughs> so join us here at the Geek Wolfpack Podcast. Join us on iTunes, Stitcher, Blueberry, or wherever you find your podcasts, or simply at geekwolfpackpodcast.com. And as always, geek out.